Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Celebrities, Donkeys, and an Italian. Because <laughs> I have like three good celebrity stories, but I didn't have a whole episode of celebrity stories. And I just got back from Bon Air, so I have some donkey stories and an Italian Lothario. And because I'm just back from Bon Air, I took my recorder with me and I recorded some local music. They were actually having their yearly festival, the Rincon Festival. It's like they celebrate the Queen's birthday and they have a big party. It's like the whole island is in the streets and there's music and local food. So I took my recorder and I recorded some of the local music and that will be the music for this episode. And because it's celebrities, donkeys, and an Italian, I'm going to have a celebrity do the lead-in, which is very exciting for me. It's time for the Travel Show with Arthur Fromer and your chance to ask the man who wrote the book. Arthur is the nation's foremost travel authority and publisher of the world's largest selling series of travel books. Now, here's Arthur Fromer. And this is the Travel Show in which we talk about vacations. Welcome. I'm Arthur Fromer, joined by my daughter Pauline Fromer, and for the next two hours on most of these stations, we're going to talk about travel. And we'll be taking your calls on that subject. Periodically, over the last several years, airline stewardesses have written memoirs of their experiences in the skies, and recently, one of them wrote a book that has attracted more than the usual attention. It's by Betty Thesky, who has been a flight attendant for many years with a major airline. It is called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. And we thought it might be interesting to hear her thoughts about the current conditions of air travel. And so Pauline placed a phone call to Betty Thesky, and here's how their conversation went. So since I have the book out and people keep calling me Miss Thesky because they don't get the Betty in the sky, <laughs> Betty in the sky, I'm actually glad some people don't get it. And I actually, it's shorter than my real last name. <laughs> so I kind of like it. Maybe I should just go with it and just be Thesky now. I do think it's funny that people will ask me things. I was at a book signing in Orange County and Joe Dion from the uh, Fly With Me podcast and he does the video podcast now was happened to be signing in. So he came to my book signing, which was so nice. I was telling him that somebody had asked me what nationality Thesky is. <laughs> like taking it back because it isn't a nationality. And I was saying, you know, it sounds kind of like a Polish Thesky, or maybe it's like Russian. So we were joking, we were saying, yeah, yeah it, it sounds like it's from something with a stan at the end, you know, from Uzbekistan. And so Joe and I were joking, I don't know who came up with it, but I thought it was cute. I'm going to try it next time. The next time somebody asks me where I'm from, where the name Thesky is from, I'm going to say it's from Airplanistan. <laughs> See if they get it. <laughs> Gotta love that Thesky. Thank you. 
Kentucky Kennedy Onassis store? Well, I remember at one time Pan Am had two nonstop flights from New York to Tokyo. And uh, I was working in coach on the second flight, and the senior purser came up to us and said, we all need to make sure we're in really tip-top form today. Mrs. Kennedy is going to be traveling with us, and she's in coach. And we all said, there's no way that Kennedy's to travel in coach. And they said, well, she and her friend had first-class tickets booked and seats on the first flight, and they showed up a little late for the flight. So we were going to put them in first class on the second flight, which meant bumping some passengers. But she was so gracious, she said, no, we shouldn't bump anyone out of first or business. We weren't full in coach, so they said they were going to block a whole row for Mrs. Kennedy in coach. And that's where I have to be working. And I said, well, how do you treat a Mrs. Kennedy in coach? And they said, treat her just like anyone else. She's very nice. So I'm doing my little beverage service with my little plastic glasses and my little cans of Coke. And I come to her, and she had a little beverage. And she says, oh, young man. Um, I was young then. She said, oh, young man, I hate to be a bother, but I'm quite hungry. We haven't had breakfast. When are you going to be serving lunch? And I said, well... It's going to be about a half hour, but I can get you something now. And she said, no, 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 no. I can eat with everyone else. So we came through with our little coach tray, little plastic dish of Japanese yakitori and rice, and little salad. And she was happily eating, and she said it was delicious. And I re- remember she was so gracious. Of course, special agents after arrival in Tokyo came on to help her off. She waited till everyone else got off. Two of us were in the back galley of the 7-4, she came back and shook each of us our hand and said, I would like to thank each of you for a very nice and safe flight. Then I heard the story. The flight continued on, connected to Hong Kong, and her sister, Lee Radswell, was living in Hong Kong at the time. And she and Lee were in the, our, the Pan Am Clipper Club at Narita Airport. And Lee, Which is like the, uh, the crown room. Uh, it's an airline right. club. And... Uh, Lee had had some kind of a ticketing problem or change, and there was only one agent in the Clipper Club at the time and said that he could not leave his post at the Clipper Club because he had to check in passengers that were coming into the club to help with Lee's ticketing problem. And Jackie Kennedy said to him, Oh, don't worry. I know how this all works. If you will help Lee with her problem, I will take care of the Clipper Club. So I remember hearing how surprised members of the Clipper Club were at Narita Airport to walk into the Clipper Club and there at the check-in desk is sitting Jackie Kennedy Onassis asking to see their Clipper Club cards and inviting them over to have beverages and other things in the Clipper Club. That is really funny. So I just got back from Bon Air, which is a beautiful island almost to Venezuela they have like this amazing water the water is nicer than Tahiti I mean it was like I actually on the way there was watching the movie Avatar and in the movie there's this magical place with all these colorful creatures called Pandora well actually the underseas the underwater world of Bonaire seemed like that to me is all these really colorful beautiful creatures floating right around you and the water was so warm it kind of felt like you were flying and you know it's just a 
great. So on my second day in Bonaire, I decided to take a water taxi to this deserted island called Klein Bonaire. I hear there's some cats on there, but anyway, there's nothing on the island. And I talked to a few people and they said, oh, if you go snorkeling on that island, just be careful because they can have a strong current. And anytime someone's talking about a strong current, I do get a, a little cautious considering I am traveling by myself. So on the water taxi, being the little social butterfly that I am, I talked to everyone on the water taxi. There were like three European couples, two sisters from Florida, and a guy from Italy. It's like a 20-minute taxi ride, and we get off at this beautiful white sand beach. You know, I'm putting my stuff down, and the Italian man said, uh, you know, I heard there's a strong current. I was like, yeah, I did too. And he said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk down the beach and then get in the water and drift with the current back as I snorkel. And and he said, do you want to come? And I was thinking, well, you know, since I was slightly afraid of the strong current by myself, and I thought, okay. And so now this guy, he was handsome and tan and fit, about my age. And uh, we start walking down this beautiful white sand beach. I'm in my bare feet holding my, my snorkel gear. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is pleasant. Day two of the trip, and here I am on a deserted island with a handsome Italian man. Beautiful surroundings, nice. We exchanged a few sentences, and uh, then he turns around to me and says, Kiss me! And I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even know what he did for a living. I don't even think he knew my name. Kiss me? I mean, <laughs> he goes, I've never been to a deserted island. I, oh, it's such a beautiful place. Come on, just one kiss. And he starts leaning in, and I'm thinking, you're kidding me, right? I haven't even spoken to you. And he starts leaning in, and I just turned my cheek, and I'm thinking, oh, did I make a mistake? Maybe I shouldn't be walking down a deserted island with a guy who could, like, turn into a an Italian Lothario. <laughs> like, thinking, am I being stupid? Lots of times I can be stupid. <laughs> so then we keep walking, and uh, I don't think I mentioned at this point, or I might not have mentioned it all in the podcast, I broke my toe, which is such a bummer, but and it takes a long time to heal. You're supposed to keep them taped together, and on Bonaire, it's very hot there. The tape fell off, like, within 10 minutes, so I can't keep it taped. So my toe is huge, and uh, now the white sand beach has sort of turned to rocks and coral, and it's wet, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to re-injure my toe. I'm going to fall. I'm going to hurt myself. Is the guy going to try something again? Is he going to try something in the water? You know, it, was, it, it went from being so pleasant to now, like, oh, I don't know. This, I don't know about this. So he wants to keep walking. I told him I have a broken toe and he's like, okay, you know, he didn't care. And we keep walking, stumbling. And finally he goes, let's get in the water. I'm thinking, okay, good. So I won't injure my toe. And he says, you know, um, I really want to see a turtle. And he's like, I've never seen one before. And now I love turtles, but I have seen hundreds of them. So I'm not necessarily on a turtle quest. So then he says, so I'm going to swim into the current because this way I think I'll see a turtle. And I'm thinking, that's not what you said when we left the white sand beach. You said we were going to drift with the current. (laughs) So I'm thinking, okay, fine. I'm already like halfway down the island, I think. So he starts swimming into the current. And you know what? It's not that easy to swim into a strong current. You know, I'm like gulping water. You know, the water keeps going over my snorkel. Uh, And he's he's like gung-ho. He's like way ahead of me now. And uh, I'm getting tired swimming into the the current. (laughs) 
And so I'm, I tried to like kick up and get his attention to say I wanted to go back and do the actual thing we were supposed to do, which was drift with the current. I can't get his attention. And finally, I thought, forget it. You know, that was weird. That gives me. And, you know, now he's going to swim into the current. I thought, fine, I'm just going to go back. So I start drifting back. And, you know, it's lovely. It's the water's so nice, so much easier going with the current. <laughs> so it's nice. You know, I see a couple turtles lovely colorful fish really nice and then I I, then I panicked a little bit because I thought "Uh uh-oh how long did we walk how long did we swim into the current and how long have I been drifting back because you know you go pretty fast when you're drifting with the current Um, so now I'm like looking around thinking everything on this deserted island looks the same I need to get back to where the boat taxi is going to pick us back up right and then I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't have left the guy what if something happens to him am I responsible I left him what if something happened to me? Now I'm just by myself in the current. <laughs> I can get myself in some strange pickles. So I tell myself, okay, calm down, calm down. Don't panic. Just drift and keep looking up to see if you recognize the white sand beach. So I do that. And like 20 minutes later, I saw the beach. Oh, so relieved. <sighs> so now I'm sitting on the nice white sand beach and the turquoise water is just splashing over me. Like 15, and you know, I, the, the people from the boat taxi, I guess they got worried about the strong current and most of them didn't even get in. And I didn't know if I should tell them about the weird uh, kiss request <laughs> or, or my subsequent open water abandonment. <laughs> so I didn't say anything. But you know, my, my, Italian Romeo resurfaced like 15 minutes later and then he sits like really uncomfortably close to me and says uh in a voice I think he meant to be sexy you know we're very free out here we're so free and I'm thinking I think I'm gonna go apply more sunscreen (laughs) he's just you know when you're that forward it's just it's a turnoff so on the boat ride back he he asked me, you know, I'm going to go to this Italian restaurant. It's my last night. Will you join me? And I lamely said, I know it was rude, but I said, oh, I, and I actually had had Italian the night before, but that is a lame response for somebody asking you to dinner. I'm like, no, 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 I had Italian last night. <laughs> but, you know, I was afraid to go to dinner with them because if like two sentences equals a kiss, what does a dinner equal? You know, I mean, <laughs> oh, and by the way, you know, he never saw a turtle and I did not have an affair in Bonaire. Yes, we were flying back from France and uh, this very hyper human being came pinging in the cockpit and it was happened to be Regis Philbin. Quite a nice guy and uh, he was very personable, but he was just like you see him on the TV. He was all over the place and finally went back to sit down. Well, in ER trips across the Atlantic, we take uh, breaks. Uh, There's three pilots. So on my break, I had the first one. I went back, and I was sitting across from him, and I'm getting my seat ready for uh, sleeping for a couple hours. And I'm noticing that Regis is pinging back and forth from his seat to the couple in front of him. And I'm looking at this, and I finally mentioned to the gentleman across from me, I said, Sir... Is that gentleman bothering you? As I point to Regis Philbin. And he looks at me and he goes, absolutely. So I look at Regis and I said, sir, you're bothering him. Will you please sit there and keep your mouth shut and don't bother the people in first class anymore? I turned around and went to sleep as all the first class broke up laughing as well as his wife. So another story from Bon Air. Bon Air's biggest export is salt. They actually, you can have, they have like mountains of salt. You can actually see the salt from 
the window in the airplane. <laughs> but many years ago, they had slaves to harvest the salt, and they imported donkeys to uh, haul the salt. But once they got machines to do that, they freed the slaves and they freed the donkeys. So now you have like non-indigenous donkeys roaming the island, which is actually kind of fun. And uh, they also have donkey sanctuaries where they'll have like 400 donkeys and you can drive through and uh, buy food and feed them if you want. And they'll tell you about the donkeys. So I thought, you know, I've never been to a donkey sanctuary. So I stopped at the visitor center and I purchased some food for the donkeys. And they the guy told me a few things. He's like, you know, if you try to feed them by hand, just be sure that you tuck your thumb in so your thumb doesn't get bit. And he also said, if you're going to feed them, don't feed them near your rental car because you might not be able to get back in your rental car. Now, both of those things probably would have given most sane people pause. <laughs> but me, you know, I've never been on donkey safari before. It sounds like fun, something different. Love that kind of stuff. So I start driving and sure enough, out come the donkeys. They're like surrounding my car. I'm like loving the donkey experience. It kind of felt like, you know, being in safari, but you're actually on a Caribbean island. And instead of elephants and giraffes and tigers, it's donkeys. <laughs> it's just different, you know, it's right up my alley. So then I see a picnic area and I decide, okay, now I'm going to try to feed the donkeys. So I get out and I'm trying to feed them by hand, but all of a sudden I'm sort of like surrounded by a dozen donkeys and they're all wanting the food and, you know, I'm by myself and I don't really like that hand feeding thing because they're all like surrounding me. A couple of them kind of like hit me with their hindquarters. You know, they're getting like all riled up and I was getting a little nervous. So I tried to get back to my car and sure enough, just like he said, they like surrounded me and I couldn't, I couldn't get in the car. So I panicked a little bit and um, I ran really far from my car and I like chucked the food, you know, I, I threw it as far as I could. And then I ran back like a girl with her hair on fire to the car and like, I was like out of breath, like not even breathing. By the time I shut the door and locked it, it was kind of like being in a horror movie, but instead of a crazed killer, it was just some hungry donkeys. <laughs> I'm actually going to put a couple of pictures of the donkeys on the website. They were so funny. But I really enjoyed the donkeys, but um, I like them much better from uh, the safety of inside my rental car. The one story I remember that was very funny when I first got hired by an airline was uh, shipping animals across the country, across the world at that time, is that a, uh, a collie was shipped from uh, Los Angeles and New York, and uh, the New York ground crew realized that this dog looked like it was dead. And in fact, it was, it had died. And so they all had a 24, 36 hours to get this dog shipped to uh, Europe. And they all went out, took a collection, and went out and bought another dog. And took this collie, live collie, put it in a crate, shipped it to Frankfurt. And when the collie got to uh, Frankfurt, the lady was picking it up yelled and screamed and fainted on the spot when she saw the dog, but in actuality, she was shipping the dog back for burial. And the dog was already dead, and the dog showed up in Frankfurt alive. So because I was out of the country, and I've had a broken toe, I was trying not to work as much to let it heal, I don't have as many stories from other flight attendants and pilots in this episode. So unfortunately, you will have to have more of me because I still wanted to get an episode out there. So I was very lucky that my listeners sent me good stuff this month. 
They get their help filling in the gaps. So this is from Dan in New Zealand. He said he liked the podcast and he thought he would share a short little tale about what happened recently when he recommended my podcast to a friend. He said he was traveling on Air New Zealand to Sydney for the weekend and we got on the topic of flight attendants. I told him about your podcast and he said he would check it out when he got home. A few days passed and I got an email from him saying that he searched high and low for the podcast he had suggested that he listened to and he couldn't find anything. And Dan thought this was weird since he didn't think it was that hard to find. Well, it wasn't until he emailed him again and said, you know, I searched for that beating a guy with a suitcase podcast that you said. (laughs) And that's when Dan realized it must have been his accent. (laughs) Because there is a big difference between Betty in the sky with a suitcase and beating a guy with a suitcase. (laughs) They're very different. You know, uh, this is many years ago. I was flying L.A. to Salt Lake City, and I noticed uh, Sean Penn on board in the main cabin. And at that time, this is pretty much about a year or two after Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and I'm not so sure he was dating Madonna at the time. In fact, I think it was pre-Madonna. Anyway, I go to my... pre-Madonna. Yeah. (laughs) I go to my uh, flying partners. I go, hey, Sean Penn's on board in the main cabin. And both my flying partners didn't know who Sean Penn was. So I said, Sean Penn, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And they still did, you know, it didn't register with them. So I thought, I'm going to go up to Sean Penn and tell him I enjoy his work and, uh, you know, just pay him a compliment. And little do I know what I know now that he is or was is now not approachable. But at that time, I just, you know, was ignorant about that. So I go up and I actually swooped in and kind of got down on my knees in front of him. I was picking up some trash and he looked at me and I said, I just like to say that uh, I enjoy your movies and, uh, you know, enjoy your work. And he was very gracious and very nice. I think he was kind of shocked and stupefied that I kind of approached him that quickly. Wasn't really much to talk about after that, so I decided I'd ask a a question or two. And I said, uh, so what are you working on now? Or is there any project that you're on now? And he says, yeah, I just finished Falcon and a Snowman. And uh, he said it should be out shortly. And then I was starting to ask stupid questions i said well are you going (laughs) i said are you going to uh salt lake to go skiing and he goes no the um sundance film festival is going on and this is actually probably the beginning of the sundance film festival because i thought you know didn't register with me but anyway i decided that was enough get up and walk away and that (laughs) now that i know what i know i would have never done that i would never do that to this very day but that's my uh, celebrity story (laughs) Now, this story comes from a listener named Johanna in Sweden. She wrote to me and said that she was a flight attendant for many years and was based in Stockholm. And she said, I was manning a transatlantic flight from Newark to Stockholm. It was a night flight and all was calm. The cabin was dark and most of the passengers were sleeping. And on this flight, I was acting as service coordinator in the economy class. Suddenly, there was a call from the flight deck. This is rare in economy class, seeing as there's no turbulence to report. And the pilots usually call the forward galley if there's anything they need. But the captain asked me to come to the cockpit. So I reported to the front 
quite curious to see what was up. He asked me to see if I could locate a passenger by the name of Mary Smith seated in economy. He followed by explaining that we were currently flying parallel with a continental flight also uh, going from Newark to Stockholm. They had a few minutes earlier received a call from the pilots on that flight asking for a Mary Smith on our flight. As it turns out, her boyfriend, Charlie, is on their flight and was wondering if we could locate his girlfriend and help him propose. He wanted us to ask her to marry him. <laughs> well, this was an exciting first, and I thought I, as I rushed back to the galley to tell the rest of my crew. Well, we decided to wait to find find her until it was time to turn the lights on for the breakfast service, which was about two hours away. In the meantime, poor Charlie was almost imploding on the continental flight, wondering why he wasn't getting a report back. No one could tell the poor guy they were waiting a couple hours to ask her. So finally, it was the second service. It was about to begin. We turned on the lights. We located Mary Smith, and I go to ask her, uh, Mary Smith, do you know a Charlie Miller? Now she's looking at us like a bit confused, and she says... Yes. <laughs> she answers a little bit unsure. Well, Charlie is sitting on the Continental flight parallel to us right now, and he would like to know if you would do him the honor of marrying him. <laughs> well, talk about looking dumbfounded. I had asked her, um, I had explained to her how the proposal had been communicated, and then asked her again uh, if you know your answer, then we can have it reported back to him. And she stuttered. Yes. <laughs> so I asked, following the principle of closed loop communication taught to us in flight training, so your answer to his proposal is yes? <laughs> and she nodded. That's when my colleague stepped forward with champagne, glasses, and cake that we had arranged from business class for her in hope of a happy ending. Applause sp spread throughout the cabin as I rushed to the cockpit to report the good news that was immediately transmitted to Continental. Well, later, the passengers from both flights were in the baggage claim area, but unfortunately, we did not see the couple. But arriving at my crew base to check out, I ran into the Continental crew, and I talked to the service coordinator on that flight who told me that during the flight, poor Charlie would not eat or sleep, and he kept desperately looking at the flight attendants every time they passed by in hope of a positive response from his girlfriend. <laughs> He was extremely happy and relieved when he finally got his yes. And the passengers on that flight also applauded loudly to the good news. And so we all had a good laugh and it was definitely a first for all of us. Well, that was a nice, happy story and a nice, happy ending. But I would not have wanted to be the one who had to tell the guy no, <laughs> if that was the answer. That would have been one hard, sorry, Charlie. Podcast, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, and a wonderful new book with the same title. So thanks again, Betty. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And that was Betty Thesky, author of the book, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. It's amazing to me that after all these years of being a flight attendant, she has not lost her zest for the activity. It's as if, it's as if every flight is the first flight that she's <laughs> accompanied. Well, she's all, it's also allowed her to travel around the world, and I think she really is a person with wanderlust, and she, she loves really getting out that. there. That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. If you happen to want to listen to the rest of the Fromers interview, you can go to my website, bettyinthesky.com, and click on 
Betty's Press Room. It's about a 12-minute interview. And don't forget, you can always buy my book on my website or on Amazon.com, or you can get the ebook for half the price on Smashwords.com. So I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.